Uh, we're in week two of our series, Unshaken. And if you were with us last week, then, then you know what we talked about, about how we can, can view God's love uh, and view our circumstances in light of God's love rather than, than interpret God's love in light of our circumstances. Because the reality is we're living in a very shaken time. I mean, so whenever we're shaken, we start to ask questions like, where is God in all of this? Like, God, are you mad at me? Are you missing from 2020? Like, what is happening around us? And we, we just decide that we want to be people who view our circumstances in light of God's love rather than, than view God in light of our our circumstances. And, and the reality is that God's desire for you, uh, his desire for me is that all of us would have, have faith that's unshaken, even whenever we're, we're, we're in a time that's all shook up. And so, so this week I want to talk to you about, about how we can trust God when we're all freaked out. Like how do we trust God when fear comes into town? You know, last summer we uh, went to visit my parents. They live in Missouri and uh, we were out for dinner. We we're having sushi and uh, anytime sushi's on the menu, like I'm a happy camper and we're having a, a nice family dinner at this restaurant, uh, asking reflective, like reminiscent questions. There's a lot of laughter. Everything's going great. And then my dad, th this kind, gentle, uh, loving man, like he's, he's sitting next to me and he kind of ungracefully begins to stand up from the table and, and like he's pushing the table over and I see him reaching for the neck of what my, 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 my three-year-old, our three-year-old daughter, little Elsie Brand. I'm like, dad, are you like about to put my daughter in a chokehold? Like, like what's taking place? And, and it's like time was moving in slow motion at this point. And what I did not realize is that Elsie had taken the glob of wasabi off of one of the trays and popped it in her mouth like it was a gummy bear. My dad was trying to rescue her before the fire alarms go off in her little body. And uh, well, it, needless to say, it didn't happen. The, the wasabi went down the hatch and like Elsie is freaked out. Uh, she is screaming nonstop. The whole restaurant like pauses what they're doing to see what's taking place with this little, little girl. And we're like trying to give her rice and like, here's some water. I'm sure this will help. And and she was freaked out. We were freaked out. And, and I just feel like some of us, man, we're, we're living life in that, that same way. Like we're just trying to, to do our daily routine. And, and we, we think maybe this is a scoop of ice cream. Maybe this is a gummy bear only to realize it's, it's like fire hot wasabi sauce. And we just get hit with another, another surprise. Maybe it's with your work. Maybe you've been furloughed. You thought things were going well. And now, now there's layoffs. Maybe you feel like, man, uh, our kids are in distance learning. I'm not sure I can hang on much longer. And it's like week one of this deal. Uh, maybe it's, uh, you know, before COVID-19, maybe it was just the pace of life was just so much. And this, the, the pressure of the day-to-day -day grind was like, I'm barely hanging on. And then there's a global pandemic. And, and then now we're, you know, over five months into this deal. And now there's, there's racial injustice tensions. There's, 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 there's a fire that's, that continues to blaze in California. There's hurricanes hitting our coast. And I mean, it's just like, what is going to happen Next, and it's natural for us to be all freaked out in times like this because the reality is there's just a whole lot of things in life that are trying to break us these days. And, uh, and so, I, you know, at the end result of that is this, this kind of a scarcity mindset. We can live like, like what's going to happen next? Like, do we have enough? Do I have enough? And, uh, and at, the, at the, the, the core of kind of this scarcity mindset that, that makes us all freaked out is this fear of not having enough. 
Not enough money, not enough health, not enough time, not enough energy, not enough patience, not enough clout, not enough security, not enough, not enough connections. And these moments shake us up. But the good news today is that God has made a promise that if we seek him first, he will always provide all that we need. He may not do it on your timetable. He may not do it on my timetable. But we can always expect that he will always be faithful and always come through. God is bigger than our biggest fears. He's deeper than our, our deepest doubts. He is more than we would ever need. If we seek him first, even when we do not have enough, he will prove to us that he is he's more than enough. Here's the big idea for today. If you if you hear nothing else, I, I hope you hear this. If you're taking notes, this is where our notes begin. And I, and I hope you are. And you can refer to these, these notes later in the week. And maybe in your time with God, maybe you pray through some of these things and, and just re, re-anchor ourselves in these truths. Here's the big idea, though. Your scarcity is God's opportunity to show you that he will always be enough. I mean, what if we, we frame that up as a question? What, what if we, we approached all the scarcity? Next time you, f- you feel scarcity in your life, what if we approached that and said, maybe this scarcity is just God's opportunity because he wants to show me, he wants to affirm once again that he is more than enough for me. So let's dive in today. Today we're going to be looking uh, at this guy named Elijah. We, we met him last week and kind of did an overview of who he is and, and some of his, his great exploits that he does for God. But the reality is that Elijah is a man, a man just like you and me. He, had, he didn't always get it right. He is imperfect at times, but in progress, always with God. And, and God used him to do some big things. And so today we're going to be looking at, at 1 Kings chapter 17. If you want to turn in your Bibles there, that would be awesome. Maybe pull it up on a mobile device. Uh, we'll also have it here in the screen in, a, in just a moment. But, but the first thing that God asked Elijah to do, one of his first assignments was to, to pray and ask God that it, that it wouldn't rain. And check this out. It does not rain in this nation of Israel where Elijah was for three years. Three years. No rain. I mean, this is economic meltdown in the ancient world. I mean, there's no water for crops. There's no water for livestock. There's no water for people. I mean, livestock's dying. There is no crops. People are dying. Three years, no rain, no water. And uh, this is where Elijah is. And, and Elijah was a man of God, but he is experiencing the same struggle as well. And he ends up hiding in the midst of this this meltdown that's taking place in his country. He goes into hiding into this back country all alone. And his only source of water is this, this small little creek that slowly is drying up. And so we read this in, in 1 Kings chapter 17 and in verse 7. It, it reads this, but, but after a while, the brook dried up. Big problem for Elijah. For there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. And I don't know what your, your freak out threshold is. I'm sure for Elijah, like he's watching this creek, his only, his water source, his only supply, his only, only source to stay alive. Uh, like maybe it's the first day he's like, man, I don't know. <laughs> I think the water's getting lower. Next day, this, this is getting too low. Like a week later, this is, this is too, like it's a 911 for Elijah. And he just starts to get get all freaked out, and the creek goes dry. But the, the interesting thing is that Elijah does not run to go find another creek. 
He trusts that God will supply his needs. In the midst of scarcity, in the midst of, of losing something that we feel is necessary for our survival, we often try to take things into our own hands. Maybe, maybe you don't. I try to take things into my own hands. I'm like, I'm going to figure this thing out and I'm going to move forward. And sometimes if I'm not careful, I'll move forward too, too quickly and get ahead of what God really wants me to do in my life. So, so the, a good thing, if scarcity is on the horizon for you, or maybe you're all shook up in this area of your life, let's just be people that pause and say, God, what are you doing? Would you speak to us? Would you lead us? God, we need to hear from heaven and know how to navigate these uncertain times that we're living in. And that's what, that's what Elijah does. And so we read this in 1 Kings chapter 17 and verse 8. Uh, then the Lord said to Elijah, uh, go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. He's like, Elijah, I got your back. I got a plan. Here's your marching orders. Let's go. And what Elijah is going to learn is that, that your scarcity, his scarcity was really just an opportunity for God to show that, that God is always enough for Elijah. He didn't go to a new creek. He didn't send like buckets of water. He just asked Elijah to take a next step, a next step, a next step. And what we're going to find is that God shows himself faithful time and time again. So whenever you feel like, like life is, is impossible, I don't know how we can, can keep moving forward and, and everything's slowly drying up around us and, and there's scarcity and I'm starting to get a little, little freaked out here. The first thing we need to do is open up to God. Just, just open up to God once again. Uh, scarcity can make people close off. Uh, scarcity uh, makes people want to just kind of go inward and, and not, it's like, I don't have anything else to give anybody. It kind of reminds me of this, this sign I saw that people can hang on their, their door whenever solicitors uh, come knocking. And here's what, here's what this sign says. It says, it says don't ring the doorbell. <laughs> no soliciting. Our baby is sleeping. The dog will bark and we are tired. I mean, there's some sleep scarcity here. And they go on, we have found Jesus. We have our vacuum. We have a great security system. Our kids sell the same junk that your kids do. Uh, the door is not a place to talk politics or religion. So unless you're here to babysit or clean the house for free, have a good day. God bless you somewhere else. <laughs> uh, I don't know how many of you feel like hanging that sign around your neck and like on your social media feeds and put it on your door, but like, I'm not sure I have anything. I'm not sure I got anything else to give these days. Uh, so if you want money, you want my vote, you want my attention, you want my energy, uh, but I'm tired, I feel broke, I'm depleted, and we all have kind of this scarcity thing going on in our lives. And I just say that to say this, that if we're not careful, we'll transpose that scarcity mindset mindset, that, that no soliciting sign onto God. We'll feel like, God, I'm not sure I have anything else to give. So if you want more of my time, I'm not sure I got it. You want more of my, I'm not sure I got, you want something else from me, God, I'm not sure, I'm not sure I got anything else to give. And, uh, and so God, unless you're at my door with some thin mint cookies, uh, I, I'm not available, right? Um, but listen, scarcity is meant to lead us to God, not keep us 
too busy, not keep us drained, not keep us distracted. And so God is inviting us, just let's open the door back up to him. Let's, let's invite him back in because he has good things for you. He's got good things for me. In fact, that's the whole reason why this famine takes place in Israel and in Elijah's time. Like God was trying to use scarcity to, to show the people that, that, hey, I'm still here and I'm more than enough. And, and I'm just not saying that's what's happening. I'm saying perhaps it is though. And why not leverage this season to say, God, you know what? I need to open myself back up to you because there's a lot of crazy going on around here, but God, you've always been faithful and you're still more than enough for me. Well, some, some, some of you today, maybe you, you're in that spot. Maybe you just shut the door uh, on God and some areas of your life for a long time. And, and no matter how many notes you hang on the door, no matter how many, many signs you, you post that say no, soliciting, the creek's running too dry, you're feeling scarcity and, and have, you're losing happiness, scarcity of meaning. And, and then when God declares a drought, you need to know that nothing will bring rain besides turning to him. Nothing brings refreshing to our souls like connecting with our creator. And that's what he desires for you. That's what he desires for me. And so, so you can either seek your own needs first and worry about them and, and worry if you'll ever have enough. Or we can seek God first and let him show us that he is always enough. Here's a couple pieces of good news. Uh, the first is this. Some of you maybe are thinking like, yeah, this is great for Elijah, but like he's in the Bible. Like he's a hero of faith. Like I'm just, I'm just a dude trying to get by. And the Bible would just speak to that in, in James 5, 17. It says that, that Elijah was a man just like you just like me. I mean, he was tempted. He, he didn't always get it right. He struggled. But man, he was a man just like you. And if, and if Elijah survived throughout this trying season, so will you. So will I. We can hang on to hope. We can hang on to faith just like Elijah did. Uh, second thing that, that's some good news is this promise that, that Jesus really reiterates this promise in, in, in Matthew. And, and we're going through uh, this, this study this week with our small group. And, and shameless plug, groups are going to be kicking off around here at Central on September 13th. And so if you're not yet connected into a group, man, this is your opportunity. I would just invite you to go to our website, uh, centralsj.org org slash groups and uh, see the groups that are available there and get, get plugged into community because I don't know about you, but, but I can use some, some, some help these days. There's nothing like looking somebody else eyeball to eyeball and just saying, hey, how you doing? You doing okay? Like, how can we pray for you? And, uh, and that's what, what our group does. And, and this week, uh, uh, Dan, this guy in our group, he led this great study that, man, has really helped me uh, this week. And it was on this topic of worry. And uh, one of the passages that we looked at was in, in Matthew 6, 33 through 44. And, and here's this promise. Here's this promise that Jesus gives you, he gives me. And maybe you just, you just jumped online today and this is the word that you need to hear. This is where showing up at Central this week just to hang on to this promise promise in this day and age. And here's what it says. It says, seek the kingdom of God above all else. I mean, put God first above all else. You just seek the kingdom of God and live righteously. Now, now I just want to pause here because here's the good news. Uh, there's a lot of things happening in our world right now that are outside of my control, outside of your control. And if we're not careful, we can get to this place where we feel very helpless. But Jesus will never ask us to do things that are outside of our control. And so these two things are very capable for us to grasp. These, these two things are, are, are within our wheelhouse, within the realm of us applying to our life today, this week. And here's the opportunity. Let's put God first. 
above all else. You can do that this week. Let's, let's think about how we're living. Let's, let's live a life that honors God. And here's, here's the promise. And he will give you everything you need. Jesus is saying, hey, you take care of what you can control. And God's going to take care of everything that he can control. He's going to take care of your every need. And so here it is. Here's the, here's the opportunity. You don't have to worry. So don't worry about tomorrow. Listen, tomorrow, tomorrow will bring its, its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. You, you, Jesus gives you this get out of jail free card when it comes to worry in your life. You don't have to worry about tomorrow. You don't have to worry about the end of the school. You don't have to worry about what happens in November. You don't have to worry about what's taking place down the road. You don't have to worry about tomorrow because today... Today is where Jesus meets you. Today is where his presence is available. Today is where hope is available. Today is where he wants to meet us. Don't worry about tomorrow. tomorrow tomorrow's got its own trouble. Today has enough troubles of its own. You focus right here, right now, and watch how God shows up in your life. What a promise for us to hang on to today. And so Jesus says, stop worrying about having enough. Let go of that scarcity mindset. Seek God first. Open the door to him. And rather than seeking your needs first, he will give you everything that you need. That's the promise. Don't trust. Do you, do you trust that promise today? I guess would be a question. And cognitively, we can wrap our head around that and say, yeah, absolutely. I believe that. But then, then how do we apply that in our day-to-day life so we can experience his peace and know that he will always provide? Because your scarcity, whatever area of life you're experiencing scarcity today, scarcity is God's opportunity to show you once again that he is more than enough. So open up to God. The second thing we can do whenever we're all freaked out is just expect things to heat up. We can just expect that 2020, we can just expect things to heat up a little bit more. That's what Elijah experiences in his life. And and man, 2020's put an exclamation point on that remark as well. But here's the good news about whenever things heat up, we learn more about, about people. We learn more about situations. We learn more about, about ourselves, don't we, whenever things kind of heat up in our lives. It reminds me of this, this story I recently read about this man who would, would fix his wife's lunch every day. And, uh, and, and this, this, this loving act uh, got met with another coworker eating his wife's lunch. She put, he put his name, her name on the bag and she put it in the refrigerator. And sure enough, every day he, she would go to that refrigerator, pull out her lunch. And one of her coworkers were, was eating her lunch. Like, have you ever experienced anything like that? Uh, and so this husband gets this idea and he's like, okay, no problem. I'll, I'll, cook some, I'll cook some chicken wings. And so he, he cooks up some chicken wings and, and he adds a little bit of this hot sauce. It's called Blair's 4 a.m. Reserve. And, and just check out that bottle. I mean, it kind of just looks hot just looking at it. But this stuff is 7,000 times more hot than Tabasco sauce. And so if Tabasco sauce is hot to you, this is 7,000 times hotter. Uh, this is not about flavor anymore. This is about revenge. And, uh, and so he puts two to three drops on every single chicken wing and sprinkles a little ghost pepper on top there just to top it off. And uh, I'm just going to read you what, what he said. He said, I, I did eat a couple of these to make sure it wouldn't kill anybody, uh, but they were really hot. Needless to say, just before lunch, there was a shrill in the kitchen. A young male colleague decided to help himself to my wife's lunch, which was clearly marked with her name on it. 
He ran to the toilet and vomited over and over. Apparently, moans sounded like he was dying. My wife just sat there innocently, pretending nothing was wrong. She has not lost a single lunch since. (laughs) Uh, Don't mess with pepper lovers. Uh, The other moral of the story is that a little heat can reveal a whole lot about people and about situations around us. And sometimes God allows us to feel a little heat because sometimes he tests us to see if our, where, where our faith really lies. And, and I wish I could tell you that this story with Elijah in the midst of this drought, like he's commanded to go eat this widow and she's filthy rich and like they sit by the pool and eat nachos for the rest of their life. But but that's not what happens. Uh, things heat up a little bit more for Elijah. And, uh, and they heat up to a test to test Elijah's trust and to flush out any doubts that he might have. And so he goes to this place called Zarephath. And Zarephath in the Hebrew language, the original language that this was written, is very close to this word refinery. And so it's this place where, where metal gets melted, where, where things get purified, and, and, and God's going to do a little bit of purification in Elijah's life. Uh, he, he leaves his own country and goes to this foreign land, Zarephath, and perhaps God was melting down some racial biases that he had as an Israelite going into a note here. One thing I'm super excited about that's going to be kicking off on September 13th, a new group's going to be launching uh, called The Third Option. And we live in this climate today where there's, there's so much racial tension, racial injustice going on. And, and my hope is that we could just simply have a dialogue. And so if you're not currently in a group or you're like, maybe you, you are in a group, but you're like, man, I would love to get some more perspective on what's taking place in this, this area of race and injustice and all this, this tension that we sense in our, in our world around us today, then I would love for you to go online today and you can sign up for this group, The Third Option. It's by this man named Miles McPherson and, and Tiffany and I had this, the privilege of meeting Miles a couple, couple years ago and he led us through part of this study, uh, The Third Option, and we just got some practical handles to have conversations, to, to open our eyes really to people that we knew and did life with for a long time and how they have experienced racial injustice and racial, racial tensions in their lives. And, and, and needless to say, I, I hope you sign up. I hope you jump in because I'm guessing that you do not have a KKK hood in your closet right now. And I'm not saying that you are part of the problem, but my prayer is that for everyone that calls Central Christian Church their home, that we would all be part of a solution here to bring reconciliation in our day. And so, so Elijah, he goes to this land, Zarephath, and and it's kind of this, this testing point. Things heat up and it melts down some biases that he has, not only racially, but, but he goes to this single woman. And in this culture, this was unheard of. Like, you just didn't do this. Men didn't associate with women like they do today. It's a very different culture. And this would have had to melt down some gender biases that Elijah would have had. But to top things off, that Zarephath was a hometown of Elijah's arch enemy, Jezebel. So he's going to be surrounded by her people who know him and know her, know the tension, know that she wants to kill him. And uh, Elijah gets some of his comfort melted away. And uh, this is often the place where, where scarcity leads us. I mean, it forces us to meet people that we wouldn't normally meet, to do things we wouldn't normally do, go to places we wouldn't normally go. And, and nothing quite gets you out of your comfort zone like desperation, right? Like scarcity. And so things are heating up in Elijah's life, and, and here comes the bombshell. Let's just read it in 1 Kings 17, 10 through 12. So he went to Zarephath 
And he arrived at the gates of the village and he saw the widow, a widow gathering sticks. And he said to her, would you please bring me a cup of water? She was going to get it. And when he called, bring me a bite of bread too. And I just love that. I think that's funny because it's just like a dude. Like, hey, babe, can you get me a drink? Hey, while you're going to the fridge, can you make me some popcorn too? Like, uh, not not that I do that, but I'm sure I've seen it in movies and such. Um, uh, but, but so it goes on to say, but, but she said, I swear by the Lord, your God, I do not have a single piece of bread in this house. And I only have a handful of flour in a jar and a little cooking oil at the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook our last meal. And then my son and I will die. God did not deliver Elijah from scarcity. He delivered him into more scarcity. Elijah, at one point, he was just taking care of himself. He was only responsible for one person. Now he's with this widow and her son, and and he's responsible for three people. And she's ready to just throw in the towel. Like, we're at the end of our rope. We don't have anything else. We don't have anything else to give. You see, in order for, for God to do the impossible in Elijah's situation, though, for God to do the impossible in your situation, we have to be facing some impossible situations. Now, that may sound like, uh, yeah, we know that. Uh, but, but how often do we like, God, I want to see miracles. But we don't want to be in a position where miracles are required. At least I don't. You know, like, I want to see God move, but can we do it in a way that's comfortable, in a way that's pleasant, in a way that wouldn't, wouldn't rock the boat or leave us too shook up? But, but God does not always work like that. Miracles don't occur unless miracles are required, or else we wouldn't even call it, call it a miracle, right? But God is trying to melt down some things in Elijah's life so he can show Elijah that, 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 that God's all he all he needs. And, and so if you, you, you can take hope in the fact that, that, that maybe God is preparing you to receive provisions in ways that maybe you never thought possible. Maybe you feel like you're in an impossible situation. Well, you're, in, you're a perfect candidate for a miracle today because God specializes in situations like that. He has a plan and he can do more than we imagine, but often we have to face more than we've ever imagined to see that become a reality. So, so things get scarce and you feel all, all freaked out, expect things to heat up a little bit more. And it's, it's not God's resentment, it's God's refinement that's taking place in your life and mine. He's purifying your faith. Your scarcity is really just God's opportunity to show you once again that he's more than enough. And then finally, the third thing we see, the third way that we, we, uh, we, we get to experience this whenever we're all freaked out is, is one, we're going to open up to God. Two, we're going to expect things to heat up. And then three, we're going to trust God for enough. Let's be people that just trust God for enough. So Elijah, he's met this widow, right? So this is where we are at this, this juncture. And she's like, I'm ready. I'm ready to die. I only got enough to cook bread for, for my son. This is our last meal. Then we're, we're, we're done here. And so Elijah's there, he shook up, she shook up, but Elijah, he kind of hangs on to faith and he speaks in faith to this woman in 1 Kings 17, 13 through 14. And here's here's what he said. But Elijah said to her, do not be afraid. What a good reminder. Don't be afraid. Whatever has you shook up, maybe it's, maybe it's a little flour and a little oil, maybe it's something on a whole nother level, but, but don't be afraid. 
Maybe you feel like, man, this is my last meal and I think I'm, I think I'm done here. Don't throw in the towel. Don't be afraid. Go and, and do just as you, you said and, and make a little bread for me, Elijah tells her. And then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There will always be flour and oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and crops to grow again. Now, I just want to look at this story from the widow's perspective. Now, we, we can often we talk about Elijah's perspective and, and God moves and that's awesome. But, but here's this widow. She's literally gathering sticks to prepare her last meal and to share it with her son, and then she's going to die. And now here comes this guy saying that God's going to take care of you. God's got your back. But in order for you to see that happen, you need to cook me something first. And I, I just imagine this widow being like, maybe you didn't hear me, buddy. Like, this is all I've got. <laughs> I'm going to eat this with my son because I don't even know who you are, right? I've heard you're a prophet, man of God, whatever. But like, this is all I've got. Huge faith on her part. Huge faith to, to put God first. Huge faith to give out of the little that she has to say, God, I'm, I'm going to trust you with this. A couple principles here. One, man, what if we put God first in everything? When our family, in our finance, with our time, with our talents, what if we said, even in the midst of scarcity, we're like, I don't have anything else to give, but God, I'm going to give it to you. And watch how God moves and, and shows, shows her, shows you, shows me that he, he's more than enough. Second thing this reminds me of is this, this, this word from Jesus actually in Matthew 16, 25. And this is kind of a higher level view of life, right? And how we can navigate situations. And, and some of us live from a scarcity mindset, even when it comes to our lives in general. And here's what Jesus said in Matthew 16, 25. It says, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Like, like if we just hold on to say, God, I can't give you that because if, I, if this is all I have, and if I give it to you, then I won't have enough. And if we, we cling to our life, then, then, then the Bible says, wait, you're, you're going to lose it. Like you're not going to have enough. If the widow eats the last bit of bread, then, then there's no promise that there's going to be a supply left. But, but she trusts. And so here's what she does. And here's what, what God would ask us to do. But whoever loses his life for me, you're going to find it. You trust God with what you have, even though it may be little. Trust God with your life, even though it, it's uncomfortable at times. It requires trust because there's not, we don't have all of our questions answered. But you'll find life. You trust God in that area. Watch how he comes through. Well, let's continue reading in 1 Kings 17, 15 through 16. And here, here's the widow's response. So she did as Elijah said. And she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough. There was always enough. There was always enough flour and oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised to Elijah. Here's the amazing thing in this story to me, that it starts out with, with one guy by this brook that dries up. But, but in God's providence and God's sovereignty, he was working upstream, not just to save Elijah's life, but to save this widow and her son. And perhaps in this season of scarcity for you, maybe it's not God's punishment for you. Maybe it's his provision for you, but also for some other people because he's working upstream. And God doesn't just provide for Elijah, but in the process, he saves Elijah's life and this widow and her, her family. 
It reminds me of, of, of this daily bread provision idea. It's kind of like what Jesus says in Matthew 6, 11, like, God, today, could you give us our daily bread? God doesn't provide for Elijah like with this storehouse of grain. He didn't send like a, a year's supply of Pizza Hut. It was this daily provision, just enough to get through the next day. Daily asking, daily dependence, daily provision, daily thankfulness. So, so what do you do when you're all freaked out? Because, because sometimes we just feel like we're barely hanging on, like, like things are drying up for us. Here's what we do. We open back up to God. Open up to God. Put him first in your life. Take hold of things that are in your control. Seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and like, like live righteously as well. Say, say, God, what do you want from me? I want to do that. I want to be on the same page with you. Put him first, and he'll provide for you. Second thing we can do is expect things to heat up. Sometimes God allows us to face more than we imagine so he can prove that he is more than we ever imagined. And then third, trust God for enough. Go all in. Give him all that you have and let him show you that he is all that you need. Ask him for the bread today, one day supply, one day at a time. You can meet me right here. I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough trouble. It's on God right here, right now. Would you meet me? I need fresh supply and I'm trusting you that you're going to be enough. And here's the reality. Your scarcity is God's opportunity to show you to show me, to show the central family, to show the church around the world once again that God is more than enough. Let's pray. Well, God, we thank you for that reality that you are more than enough. And God, sometimes we just need to remind ourselves of that in moments that we feel like we don't have enough. Like, I don't know how I'm gonna do this, but God, may you show up in practical ways in the lives of your people this week God, I pray that we would take hold of things that are in our control, that we would open back up to you. God, we wouldn't put no soliciting in our relationship with you, but God, we would seek you first. 